I'm here at the King's Cross Theatre with J. James Moody to talk about Squabologic's production of Herringbone that opens tonight. How did you first become involved in this production? Where did it begin? Well, uh, Squabologic is my company. I'm the artistic director of that company. We've been around for about uh, 12 years, but we've been on a little break because I was in Melbourne doing the Book of Mormon for a year and then back in Sydney doing shows with a few other companies and so this is the first time we've been able to find a time to do a show for the last two years and this is one that's been sort of in the back of my head for a little while and I thought it's nice and small and shouldn't be too much trouble but of course being a one-person show where I'm playing 11 characters and co-directing it and producing it, it I'm wearing far too many hats. Well, what made you choose this particular production? I think when with my year on the Book of Mormon, I was a standby, so I wasn't on stage very often. I only did about 30 shows in the 14 months that I was working on the show. I spent a lot of time in my dressing room, and so I was sort of looking for things that I could release all of that pent-up creativity. And And I thought this one, which I can't even remember now how I stumbled across it, it's quite... It's quite an obscure show, but the story was very strange and it presented a lot of challenges. So I was looking for something that would sort of stretch my abilities and use a bunch of muscles that I hadn't really had the opportunity to to use in a while. And this seemed to fit the bill. It's 11 characters, it's 90 minutes straight through. Unlike other one-person shows, it's not a series of monologues. The show is written just like a play, so in each scene I'm anywhere between two and six characters jumping line by line around them. So also sort of directorially trying to approach that and and making sure there's clarity for the audience. And at the end of the day, I think the, the story has a, a really great balance of being amusing and disturbing, and that's the kind of theatre that I like to go and see, and so I wanted to share that with people who perhaps hadn't heard of this show before. So it has a really interesting plot that you've just touched on. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about it? Yeah, it's set in uh, Alabama in 1929. There's a family called the Nukins, and they're feeling the pressures of the financial crash. And they realize that their eight-year-old son, George, has a little bit of talent in public speaking and performance. And that gives them the idea that they're going to try and elevate him to motion pictures and make a star out of him. But as they're on that journey, his body is suddenly possessed by the spirit of a murdered vaudevillian who wants to use this eight-year-old boy's body to get his revenge on the man that murdered him and stage his own Hollywood comeback. So it's a little bit of comedy as well. I think there's a lot of comedy in it, um, but it, it, it is a fine line. It, what Things that happen are very funny, but only because they're not happening to you, because they're happening to someone else. So what would you say is the draw card for this production? What is it about this play that will hook people in? I, th- I think it's just a, a really unique piece in terms of how it's constructed and staged and you're getting a whole bunch of elements that you're not usually going to get at most main stage theatres or even a lot of independent theatres. We're working in the King's Cross Theatre which is Sydney's only traverse theatre where the audience sits on either side of the stage so I'm kind of working in the round. You've got a really incredibly intimate show in this 80 seat house that has a brilliant live band as well with keys, drums and double bass and then you're watching me sweat my butt off for 90 minutes as well jumping line by line between different characters so I think what you're going to see is something quite unusual 
and that might make you feel a little bit exhilarated and disturbed by the end of it. That sounds great. That's how I like to feel when yes. I leave leave a show. So. Exhilarated and disturbed yeah. at the same time. Perfect. Exactly. And, and you play, you mentioned you play multiple characters. Mm-hmm. Eleven characters? Eleven. You could stretch it to twelve. There's kind of one that we're a bit sort of, we're not sure whether it's a character playing a character or whether it's its own character. So if I wanted to sound really fancy, I could say twelve, but I'll say eleven distinct characters. Was this difficult to take on so many character transitions and how were you able to make a discernible difference from one to the next? Well, what I'm, I've been really lucky because the, the writing is actually really clear and it was written for one person to perform. So clearly that was in the author's mind to make each of the personalities of the 11 characters very distinct. So a lot of the groundwork is there for me. And then it was a matter of working with my co-director, Michael Ralph, in sort of really creating distinct physical and vocal differences between them and being focused enough to switch between them so quickly. And they have different accents and physicalities. And so so if I'm switching between the sort of deep South accent to upper class British accent, that has taken a lot of rehearsal to be able to jump between the two and not make them too muddy. And you had voice and character coaching for this? Well, not necessarily. It was all sort of built in the room. We only had nine days rehearsal on the show, which is really not enough time to do a show like this, but somehow we got through it. Wow. Um, And so a lot of it is instinctively driven, and both Michael and I work in a very instinctive fashion, and we're happy to throw things out there and see what works. If something doesn't work, you get rid of that and try something new. And so I think that's sort of been the process more than anything in terms of creating the characters. And having Michael as the outside eye who's able to tell me, "Mm, that distinction isn't clear enough, I can't follow the story here, what's going on, and really getting into the nitty-gritty there to to make sure it's as clear as possible for the audience. Because there's a little bit of hard work trying to follow one person playing 11 people. Oh, absolutely. And how do you feel this experience has changed you as an actor? Well, it's... It's been a really eye-opening experience. I do feel that I very much underestimated the piece and overestimated my abilities, but I think that I think that we've found a balance there, and people seem to be really, really enjoying the show and getting a kick out of it and finding lots of great detail in there that we hoped that they would find. I'm really proud of the of the work that we're doing. It's absolutely exhausting to to do it but I have no one but myself to blame for for putting me in it and as I become more familiar with it and I'm getting more confident with it it's starting to be a lot of fun for me to perform as well. Does it take you long to warm up? Yeah it um, the the, some of the characters have really demanding vocal stylings so by the end of the show because I'm singing as well I've I've got about 15 songs in the show over the 90 minutes as well as the 11 characters and I'm singing in character voices and running around and so I have to do a really really specific cool down at the end of the show I have to make sure I cool down for a really long time and look after my voice and then when I wake up in the morning I have a very very deep husky voice and it it takes me many hours per day I have to start warming up basically from the second that I wake up you're just constantly hearing me sirening from the second I wake up walking down the street I'm doing raspberries and siring all day so that by the time I get to the theatre about five o'clock I I start doing sort of more vocal and physical warm-ups to get me there and but also then you don't want to be over warm and and then the show sort of 
sort of picks up speed at the beginning, so I get a little bit of time at the beginning of the show to really warm into the voices as well. It's quite a marathon. Yeah, I'm still I'm still working out the um, the specifics of how to best handle all of, all of this, but I've got to look after myself to be able to keep coming back to do it. Because Herringbone's already been open since the 18th of January, mm-hmm. and what have been the audience reactions so far? Well, I was really nervous about what people would think of the show because it is funny but also quite dark and some dark things happen in it and you know worried about the performance and whether I have enough clarity in the characters that I'm playing that that the story is actually being told effectively and I'm not just throwing myself about incomprehensibly for 90 minutes (laughs) so the fact that not only are people absolutely on board with the show from the beginning are completely invested and engaged they're following what I'm doing but They've been so enthusiastic in their support and praise for the show. I really couldn't have hoped for a better response to the show. And the thing that people are saying is they've not really seen something quite like it, particularly not so intimately as well. So that's that's not for me to say that's what they've said to me, and I, I will take those compliments Oh, that's graciously. fantastic feedback. <laughs> well, without giving too much of the plot away, what is your favourite part of this performance? Oh, that's that's really tricky. It gets less enjoyable the sweatier I get in the show because it takes a lot of focus to to ignore the fact that I'm dripping with sweat and my makeup is running into my eyes and and all of that. So, so I've got to pretend none of that is happening. So I love the beginning of the show where I'm dry and just sort of setting up what everyone's about to see and and sort of because it's so intimate. And even though I wear glasses in real life and I don't wear any in the show, I can. I can see the audience, you know, really wanting to come on this journey with us. So I love setting up the show. And then I have a song sort of in the last third of the show called Louise that that George sings about his mother that is kind of a big torch song that I'm sort of channeling a little bit of Judy Garland sort of style in there, in my own head. I don't sound or look <laughs> anything like it, but in my own head it's a bit of a Judy Garland torch song and... That's a, that's a lot of fun to perform as well. I love that song. Well, can you give us a little bit of a teaser of the show? Sure. So there's George's mother, and she sounds like this. How would you like to save us, George? And there's his father. Damn it, son, you are terrific. There's the his mentor, who's this sort of British vaudevillian. Do you like to dance, George? And then there's the spirit that takes over George's body, and he has the most challenging voice, and he sounds like this. Turn the key, George. It was very Beetlejuice. There's, you know what? There's a, there's a real Beetlejuice flavour to this show. So I think if people enjoy the work of Tim Burton and Beetlejuice in particular, they're, they're going to enjoy this. It's very much in that same world. That's fantastic. Well, Herringbone is playing at the King's Cross Theatre until the 2nd of February, mm-hmm. and all the best for the show tonight. I'm Thank you so much. To it, Jay. Thank, Thank you. you so much.